Hey everybody, it's Randy and I want to welcome you to The Vine to Zero. Today my guest is Trey McLaughlin and Trey is the Director of Safety with Bowen Engineering here based in Indianapolis, Indiana. Trey is a veteran of our great military and served eight years active with the United States Air Force and three additional years with the National Guard. Prior to joining Bowen, Trey held positions as Division Safety Manager at Aldridge Electric, Regional Safety Manager at Burns & McDonald, and Safety Manager at Keywit Power. Trey has a bachelor's in occupational health and safety and holds both the certified safety professional and certified utility safety professional designations. My interview today with Trey hits on a lot of great areas, including the importance of being authentic at the job site, the unique aspects of safety management in the utility industry, and a personal focus he has implemented at Bowen that's also his episode title, Don't Be a Spectator. Okay, well, hey, our episode number three today is, uh, I'm excited to get started, and uh, I have uh, my guest, uh, Trey McLaughlin, in. Uh, Trey, welcome to The Vine. Thanks, glad to be here. Hey, I want to start off, and uh, first off, I want to thank you for your service, because I know you've uh, spent uh, eight years in the Air Force and, and three years in the National Guard, um, and that's that's real important to us, and I appreciate your service. Thanks, appreciate cool. it. Well, hey, let's get started on your background. Can you give us a, a quick snapshot of uh of your background your career where you've been and and what you're doing today yeah you kind of you kind of started it with the uh, military and the air force piece but i don't have your typical career track into safety i uh kind of did it as a second job in the air force and i uh, got out living in delaware and had a little hot shot company if you will and my wife wanted to move back to louisiana so i said okay find a job there and we'll go got down to louisiana i was kind of driving around lost bored trying to figure out what i wanted to do and um I jokingly say I accidentally stepped into a safety coordinator role uh, for a hydroblasting company out of South Louisiana, and it just grew from there. Started as a uh, safety coordinator, um, was there for a few years. Two of the guys were branching out to go on their own in a startup, so I left and went with them to the startup. And then I really wanted to get into the power world, and I had an opportunity from Kiwit um, to go into the power world, transmission distribution world. So I took that leap. I uh, went to New Jersey for what was supposed to be about six months. Um, I was there three years, left with a wife and a dog. Short project. Um, yeah, real short. <laughs> typical construction project, right? It's only six months. Right. Three years later, you're still there. Um, so left there, was recruited away by uh, Burns McDonald. Um, and I, same project, but other side of the Delaware River. So I went from the Jersey side to the Pennsylvania side. And then uh, got promoted with them to uh, the Chicago Regional Office. Um Got to Chicago um, and was recruited away for a division job through Aldridge Electric out of Chicago. And uh, from Aldridge, landed here at Bowen. Bowen, yeah. So Bowen Engineering, uh, been a great client of ours. Uh, we appreciate the opportunities to work with your team. Um, I was looking back through some notes and, uh, you know, a couple things. We started working with Bowen. Uh, actually, first uh, file that I can find is 1998. Where we actually helped out with an assessment and uh, did a culture survey in 07, and then we've been providing staffing support uh, for your team for a lot of years, so we appreciate that opportunity. So, yeah, so how did you find your way there? Did you, they find you, or did you find them, or what were you looking for? So a headhunter actually found me for another job for a um, T&D contractor out in the Mid-Atlantic, and I really actually was not looking for a job. And uh, they found me, we discussed this opportunity with this other contractor, and, and they ended up, hiring intern ended up hiring a friend of mine internally, and, um, the headhunter's like, well, I got this other opportunity. I was not interested, not interested, not interested. And uh, finally he talked me into uh, at least entertaining it. And I still didn't know who the company was at the time. 
just dealing with the headhunters based out of Indianapolis. You know, this was probably in March of 17, and I had just bought my wife, which she would consider her dream home in August prior. So I've <laughs> been in our house for less than six months, if you will, and, and uh, she had no idea I was even entertaining a job and went through the whole process. And, and now the joke is that Bowen, that uh, in the beginning I didn't want the job because every time I'd show up for an interview at the end of it, I'm like, hey, this was, this was awesome. I got to come in and be me because I have a great job that I love. I don't have to come in and impress anyone. I just got to be me, and you guys get to see the real me. Sure. Um, but what they'll tell you is that every time I left, I told them I didn't want the job, which is not how it went. Um, so anyway, three interviews later, uh, got offered the position, and my wife and I took it. And that was well, – you started there when? June of 2017. 2017. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I know uh, Doug and Bob and um, all those guys are great people, great family. Um, I know you have a great program. And uh, one of the things I saw the other day uh, I want to congratulate you on um, was the Jed Holt Innovation Award. I thought that was pretty cool. I saw that on LinkedIn. And there were several several other awards that I saw several people um that were recognized at your uh, year-end event, I guess. Yep, it's our winter celebration. Yeah, could you talk a little bit about the celebration and, and Jed Holt Award? I know Jed. Uh, I know he's he's retired now, but uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, so the award is it's, it's exactly what it says. It's an innovation award. Um, they, they sell it as an individual award, but in reality, it's the entire team. Um, 2018 was probably one of our best years safety-wise, and it was led by my safety department, they did a fantastic job of, of really getting the buy-in of the operations teams and, and the new program that we rolled out, Don't Be a Spectator, and driving that whole focus. I mean, it drove severity rates down. It drove TRR down. It drove EMR down to record EMR this year, which was a point four four. So it just drove all these things. I was just fortunate enough to represent the team. Um, they did an outstanding job, and the whole organization did an outstanding job. So it was really cool. Awesome. Don't Be a Spectator, that's a cool theme. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so back in, I guess this would have been late 17, maybe January of 18, we started trying to find the new slogan or the new theme for the year. And the book, uh, Cubs Way, was just released. It's about Joe Madden and Theo Epstein and how they led the Cubs to the World Series. And page eight or nine, there's Joe Madden's lineup card. And on the top of his lineup card in big letters is, don't be a spectator. And at the bottom of it's relentless execution of the fundamentals. So we got to thinking about that. And we're like, wow, here's the manager of the World Series Cubs that still handwrites on every lineup card that I got to manage the game I'm in, not just be a fan of a game I grew up watching my whole life and now I'm a manager of. Um, so it resonated. So we started thinking about that at safety. And it started in safety um, of, hey, it's, it's that simple. Don't be a spectator. Manage the game you're in. Don't watch everybody work around you. And then it started that way, and then quality grabbed hold of it, and they took hold of it. And they started doing the same thing and operations started doing the same thing. So it transformed from what you would have as a good catch near miss card mm -hmm. to we had a don't be a spectator card that was strictly safety. And then it went to don't be a spectator card that was safety, quality, and production. So basically you had the card, you filled it out. Was it a safety, quality, or production? Mm -hmm. Good catch or near miss. You fill it out and uh, you submit it. And our reporting just took off. I mean, the whole organization, we, we looked at the numbers yesterday in 2017, we had 33 good catches and 27 near misses. We finished 18 with 372 good catches and 160-ish near misses. Great. That's awesome. So it was insane. I mean, yeah. the, the trajectory of how it took off, it was amazing. Hmm. That's great. Um, 
We t- uh, Bowen Engineering. So um, I know all about you, but uh, our listeners, some of them may or may not. So can you maybe give a snapshot of Bowen Engineering and, and the company? Sure. So we're a um, large GC based out of Indianapolis. We do a lot of uh, piping, concrete, structural steel, um, among other things. Um, we've been around, just celebrated 50 years in business last year. Uh, still family owned, uh, still family run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty impressive. Doing roughly what, about 300 million a year. They're still family million. owned. Um, so it's pretty impressive. It's a great family atmosphere. It's, it's a large organization that still has that family feel. Yeah. Um, which is impressive. That's pretty awesome because I can remember. It's funny that you say 300 million because when I, um, this has been probably, uh, I don't know, whenever Doug took the president's role. That was years. 10 years ago. 10 years. Yeah. So we, we were, we had been working with him for a while, but, um, I remember talking to him just in general about, you know, business and, uh, one of his goals was, you know, we're going to be a $300 million company and here you are. Right. That's, that's pretty awesome. I need to get him on this thing. Talk to him about some history. I'm sure he'd love to join it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Hey, let's uh, dive into, um, uh, safety and talk about safety. Uh, one of the things, uh, as I was prepping uh, for you to come in, uh, I found your article uh, back in 2016 that you wrote for Injury Prevention Magazine, Stepping Up to Safety. And you talk about um, a couple themes in there about Brothers Keeper. And uh, I wondered if you, maybe you could hit on that and um, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so when I wrote that article, we were going through a transition at Aldridge. And uh, we kept common theme, right? Be your brother's keeper. Be your brother's keeper. And we started looking at it and we're like, what does that actually mean? And you'd go in the field and ask people, what's it mean to be your brother's keeper? And you'd get 90% of the time deer in the headlights, right? So it just became a catchphrase and it had no meat and potatoes sure. behind it. was the answer to everything after a near miss or an injury was like, oh, be your brother's keeper. Take care of your... We never trained anybody or told anybody what that meant or how to do that, right? right? So we kept sending all these people out here and telling them to do things that we've never given them the tools to do. They don't know how to be a brother's keeper. It sounds very simple, but it's not. It's mm. uh, It just became a catchphrase. So I wrote an article just to cover the fact that, hey, maybe as an industry, we've got a lot of these things, of, you know, um, be your brother's keeper, follow your plan, you know, plan your work, work your plan, have these things just become the ordinary catchphrase that don't really mean anything anymore. So that's where that all stemmed from. Gotcha. One of the things you talk about in that article is three-way communication and how that was used in kind of your your prior industry right and can you talk about that a little bit yeah so if you if you're in the tnd world everything's three-way communication whether it's the foreman permit holder to system operations and back everything is hey i'm locking out x line um working on x line system operations repeats it back and you repeat it back to system operations and and there's a very detailed way of doing this and a very specific way of doing this that if we utilize it everywhere, whether it's a crane operator, whether it's a man lift, whether it's guy passing two by fours up a form all to each other, that they three-way communication. Hey, you have the board, I have the board. Okay, you have the board. As simple as that. And we start taking that across the industry and not just in the, the quote-unquote high-risk TND world because everything we do is high-risk. Sure. Um, what about, can you talk, we had a question come in um, after our first our first episode and uh, um, the listener asked if we could talk a little bit more about um, pre-planning for, for work 
um, and specifically around the area of uh, daily pre-planning. Any tools that you implement at Bowen that um, maybe we could? Yeah, so this year is actually a big focus for us as one of our fundamentals is JSA. And um, you can go on any construction site and find half the JSAs are pencil whipped, right? It's become a checklist. It's become something that someone just does because someone told them to do it. But there's no real thought or meat and potatoes, if you will, behind it. So we have a couple of things. There's expectations of superintendents attending JSAs and morning huddles, um, that they're auditing these things. There's a um, place for them to sign at the bottom. Um, we're going to implement some things this year that we can track, trend, and hold people accountable to. So we're going to use safety net as a way yeah. with their QR reader. Sure. Our JSAs now have a QR code on them. So you can scan it pops up your what we want them to review on the JSA and then it'll provide us a report and a picture of it so one we can see okay yes they're there the supervisors are there at the JSA they've reviewed it and oh we have a picture of it too so we can you know for instance if a superintendent goes out and reviews the JSA and marks everything is all safe and we look at the picture and it's blank or blatantly pencil whipped we can go back and have those coaching moments because we have gotten to a point where JSAs are literally something that we have to do before we can go to work and it's they're not taken as serious as they should mm -hmm. anytime we go through a near miss investigation or a piece of investigation we can go back to that jsa and it's like I'll give you an example excavator on the road um almost gets in a traffic accident and you go back to the jsa and the hazard listed with putting this excavator across the road was tracking mud mm -hmm. you know there's nothing about right. or my favorite is you go out and you see someone that has on their jsa a hazard of uh falling objects from overhead and the mitigation is to wear your hard hat wear your heart, right right yeah. well we got to wear a hard hat anyway what are you <laughs> what are you really going to do to sure. to prevent you know are you going to have an exclusion zone or whatnot so we've put some tools in place through our safety net observation program um in order for us to evaluate and, and get them better so um you mentioned metrics um what types of uh, can you talk a little bit about um, maybe some any, any kind of leading indicators that you look at um, to kind of gauge your safety? I know everybody's stuck on the the old, you know, TRIR and the DART rate and things like that. Those are important, obviously. What are we doing on the front end to prevent, you know, and, and what, are you, what are you guys looking at? Anything specific? So we've changed a couple of things. Um, most recently, I'm sure everybody has their trends and their top two trends are PPE and housekeeping, right? Because it's low-hanging fruit. So we took our observation platform, we took those two categories away, and we buried them in other categories. Not only did we bury them in the other category, we put it at the very bottom. So in order for you to say, so-and-so doesn't have their safety glasses on, you gotta figure out what they're doing. If they're working in excavation, then you gotta go to the excavation. And then you gotta scroll all the way down to the bottom to find PPE. So I've made it almost impossible, very hard, if not impossible, to find safety glasses as what you're gonna check off, right? So it's completely changed our trends. So now our trends, you don't even see PPE and housekeeping on there. Not that we don't have PPE and housekeeping issues, but that's the low-hanging fruit. So we're looking at bigger things. As far as metrics, we have gotten away from the traditional um, OSHA rates. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about them as much. We probably talk about them once a quarter. Yeah, they have a business purpose to them for bidding and whatnot. But that's not an accurate measurement of how we're performing, Performance, right? Yeah. So that's how well we manage cases or how well we do other things. Um, so we've started really tracking near misses and good catches and promoting reporting. Um, we're doing a lot more PCIF tracking. Um, 
and we're we're managing it or or measuring it the same way you measure a recordable rate piece uh, potential serious injury fatality oh gotcha okay so we're not but we're not we're not giving them a rate so i won't give the operations team a target rate because if i do what are they going to do mm-hmm. they're going to manage that rate right, right? they're going to get below whatever rate mm-hmm. i want um so we don't give them a rate mm-hmm. we just we don't give them a target rate they see what the rate is um so we've done a lot of that we changed the way we review projects so we used to get a near miss or 10 near misses on a project and everybody'd freak out what's going on in that project let's send somebody down there's find out we don't do that anymore um one of my counterparts actually ter- coined it sonar what does sonar look for looks for the quietest place in the ocean why because nothing's that quiet unless you're intending to be that quiet and you've scared everything else around you that makes noise so we started looking at projects that weren't reporting so if you had a dozen near misses coming in everybody's like well don't worry about them they're talking about their problems they're sharing their problems but we have this project over here that has not had a near miss in 30 days really how does everybody else get perfect like it's just not possible sure so we changed the way we viewed projects and we changed the way we approached um safety really as our project's concerned. Sure. What about, uh, let's dive into uh, safety leadership, uh, behavior-based safety, uh, coaching. Um, what are, anything you're doing at Bowen um, in those around uh, BBS or safety leadership concepts? Yeah, so in our department, one of the things we did is, and I tell every new safety professional, don't show up on a job site and tell a superintendent your job site's all messed up because you really don't know. Don't tell them their operations messed up because you, you've only seen a 30-second snapshot of you walking up. Um, so in my department, it's it's go out, ask the superintendent to walk you through the process of what they're doing from a point of wanting to learn it. And when you do that, one of two things will happen. Superintendent's going to turn around and explain his process to you that you originally thought was all messed up. He's going to explain his process, and you're going to realize the planning that went into it and that it's really not unsafe. He really has thought this through. Or he's going to turn around and look at the operation, go to walk you through it and go, oh, wait a minute. That doesn't look right. <laughs> so we've changed the way we approach our superintendents and our field leadership uh, from a safety standpoint, safety professional. We don't go out and tell anybody anything anymore. Um, we go out and ask questions and ask to walk through the processes. Um, we have become a business partner versus a the safety comp. Sure. Um, right. Operations looks at us as a resource. They include us heavily in pre-planning. Um, they're calling us. I get calls more often than I've ever had in my career. Um, just asking, what if, how can I do this? How can I be more efficient, but also be safer? Um, there's necessary evils of tools. Grinders are one of them. Um, you're never going to get rid of a grinder in our field, right? But you can find ways to, to use them right and, and protect ourselves. So from a leadership standpoint, I'm not the leader in the safety, right? It's every safety professional in the department is a leader and getting those guys to realize that, you don't have to have 15 direct reports to be a leader. You got a whole project full of craft and superintendents that you can help coach and, and get down the right path. Sure. Yeah, they're all leaders, right? Yeah, it's not. And the other thing is, it's not safety or production. It's safe production, right? Safe production. And getting those craft guys and field operations guys to understand that you can have safe production. Mm-hmm. And you can be really effective. And you can probably be a lot more efficient if you include us in the beginning, right? Because we send everybody to all these great conferences with the newest and latest and greatest tools and latest and greatest that is really designed, yeah, to keep the employees safe, but also to make you more efficient doing it. Sure. Um, let's um, talk about um, uh, best practices. Anything um, stick out that, that 
you might be doing uh, with Bowen or that you've done through your career that you try to bring from uh, maybe past experiences or uh, anything that um, you can talk about relative to best practice in construction safety? Yeah, it, it all boils back to our reporting. Um, the way we share information now, we do a weekly email that's all the safety shorts from the week prior that go out, and we share everything. I mean, it doesn't matter how minor. It, I get made fun of sometimes by a superintendent. It's like, why'd you share a good catch where a guy put salt down on, on stairs because it was icy? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's less about you and your project. It's about the other project that has a snowstorm coming, and if it triggers in that superintendent's mind to go grab salt, that's the purpose of it. Um, but a good example of how this sharing of information has worked, we had some ties on a wall form fail probably three months ago. 50% of the ties had failed. Um, wall stayed up. We got it corrected. We immediately shared that information company-wide. And um, one of our PEs on the East Coast, on the opposite side of the country from where this happened, something jogged in his head. And he went and looked at his ties and was like, oh, my God, we got the exact same ties that those guys had, sent them in, got them tested, all of them failed. Um, so we have really, really, our best practice currently is we over-communicate. We share everything. It doesn't matter. And I'll give you a hat for every single good oh, catch yeah. or near miss. And <laughs> sure. I'm sure my CFO hates how much I spend on good catch and near miss <laughs> rewarding. But it's uh, that has been our biggest focus and best practice that we have been doing is the reporting and changing the perception i think we've done an outstanding job as an organization of changing the perception of reporting and that was our big focus yeah literally all of 18 was focused on reporting yeah i think that's important you talk about um safety cop versus coach um huge difference perception i had uh, mark steinhofer on uh, a couple weeks back and uh, one of the things he talked about was uh, just the simple term of audit safety audit versus observation two completely i mean kind of similar concept right but two different takes on uh, you're coming out to find something wrong or you know audit versus observation so we've changed that terminology too we don't use audit terminology anymore it's all observation um i don't want anyone on my team showing up in the job site walking around with an ipad right take a mental note go back later on do it outside or do it in your truck um to change that perception and yeah i mean We've all we all know the safety cop, the one that shows up and has all the problems in the world but can't give you a feasible solution, right? They're just like, oh, I'll make it safe. You can't do that. Okay, well, how can I do it safely? Sure. Um, and that's what our guys have gotten really good at, is not just finding a problem, but finding finding a solution that's feasible. Yeah. So, that, um, what about advice you could offer a new safety professional coming out? Right. It's all it's all about uh, relationships and uh, making that first impression. So. If you could coach a new safety tech coming out of school, what would you what would you tell them? Never say no. Be willing to do anything, go anywhere, um, and be a sponge. Link up with the superintendent. He's gonna make fun of you for being a kid. You're 22 years old as a safety guy on a job site. You don't know anything. You haven't built anything. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but go learn it. Link up with them and and just be a sponge. Try to learn the work. Try to learn what they're doing. Get involved. Help them. Help them take care of the small things that, um, you know, superintendents have seventy-two voices in their head, and the loudest one's not safety. Right? It's just the way it is. Their their job is to build some work. Our job is to be the safety voice. 
So linking up with that superintendent and taking care of, instead of going to him and saying, hey, barricade tape is down at X location or rebar cap's missing, go do it for him. And then go back and say, hey, by the way, found some barricade tape down, found some rebar cap's missing. I took care of it. Let's just bring it up at the end of the shift or let's bring it up in the morning huddle. Um, showing and providing value to those guys as a young safety professional, A, you're going to gain their respect, mm-hmm. and two, they're going to want to tell you everything they know. And right. you'll, they they have forgotten more than we'll ever know. Sure. Right? Yeah. So being able to be a sponge and just learn. Yeah. We can't say enough about being res- being respectful, you know, learning as much as you can and, and you know, making sure you're firm in your approach of how you do things, but you have to go out there and learn. You have to have to be willing to admit that, Hey, I don't know, teach me, you right. know, and that's, that's key. One of the things I wanted to, to bring up, um, we talked about before we started today, um, uh, you know, as, as you know, we're in the, we're a safety professional safe safety services provider consulting firm. Uh, we don't like to use the word consultant because you, you think of that and you think, well, we're tell, them, tell them what your problems are and they walk away. And that's not what we do. So one of the things that, that, that I talk a lot about with our team is making sure that you get invited back. You know, um, you're our client. We serve you and, and do the best you can to represent. Uh, we have our motto. You see it on the front of my screen there, um, you know, move the needle. And that to me, that means, you know, uh, what can we do to make sure that we're giving you the best that we can every day out in the field and uh and also internally what what can we do to to make our team better um but uh this is like the third episode and um i keep bringing up mark miller uh but you're you know mark has worked for your team going on like five years i keep right? trying to hire and him I away know, from you right and I, we I won't know leave. You <laughs> thanks thank you to mark for not leaving but um why you know why do you think mark's so successful in in his approach because it is, he is very respectful to superintendents. He, he's willing to do things that most safety professionals won't. Um, you get a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but you get some new grads that come out of college. And, and while college and the college programs and the curriculums based around safety will give you all you want to know about um, the standards and the black and white, but what they don't teach you there is the soft skills. Right. That's what's missing from college grads. We're not getting the soft skills. They have no idea how to um, approach a superintendent and want to learn. Mark is just always a resource and always helpful. And every time we get a new project, I get one or two names that are brought up from the project manager. Can I have so and so? And Mark's usually at the top of the list. Um, And there's a reason for that. He he'll help out with anything there is. But he finds a way to help the project team with whatever they need to but still be a safety professional and still hold them accountable and still be a resource for them, but also help with other things. And, um, everywhere he goes, people want him back. Yeah. Like I said, I keep trying to steal him from you, but I've not been successful yet. (laughs) (laughs) What about, um, can you talk about the differences or anything that you might see from, um, your background as a safety professional supporting utility versus non-utility construction? Yeah, so if you think from an owner standpoint, and by owner, whether it be utility owner or refinery or public wastewater, um, there was a time probably 10 years ago where refineries were leading the pack as far as safety standards and being on the forefront of safety, right? Uh, You go to the utility world, and it's not much different, if if not further along than than most organizations. Um, So from a culture standpoint, they're light years ahead of most industries as far as... um, safety requirements 
their standards are a little different. You know, fall protection in TND world is at four feet versus six feet. Um, there's those standards. And, and what I find interesting about utility world is you have linemen working around some extremely high voltage wire, right? So that takes a little bit of a cowboy to begin with to do that kind of work. But they're still probably some of the most professional people and um, extremely professional and diligent when it comes to planning when it comes to safety, because think about it, they're they're wrecking out a 230 line or a 500 line over Interstate 80, right? Four lanes of traffic and doing rolling roadblocks and not letting this thing hit the ground. And all the the, the planning and the, the little nuances that go along with doing that, it's high, high risk all the time. Um, so I think that's why the utility world is so far ahead of most other industries. In fact, you can bid a TND job or any power job for that matter, um, nine times out of 10, you're adhering to their safety plans because they're so much further along than most others. They're above and beyond. And you guys do a lot of work at AAP. I'm sure you see it as well. Um, so from a compliance standpoint, their standards are a little different, especially since I think they just did redid 1910-269, what, right. three years ago mm-hmm. when the new one came out. Sure. Um, and from a culture standpoint, it's just they're those guys – to do that kind of work and walk out on 500 lines and get in a spacer buggy or long line under a helicopter or work off a platform, um, there has to be a little bit of cowboy in you. But the amount of planning they put into their work is incredible. Um, are you guys doing any, um, let's talk a little bit about training. Um, any specific uh, thing that you might be focusing on rel- relative to generational leadership uh, differences you you mentioned earlier differences between millennials and boomers and um but anything there that we haven't done any actual training if you will uh with millennial and boomer um but we have a couple millennials in the department and i'll tell you my perception of what a millennial is is or was before i got a guy that has worked for me came with me from aldridge um is vastly different now working for him their value set's a little different. Um, they, that's what I'm looking for. The way they value or, or grade themselves on work's a little different. Um, but no, we haven't done a lot of training on it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, some of the best ideas we've had have come from the guy that's followed me around. His name's Dan Popperdack. But he uh, he's followed me from Aldridge to here, and he's probably one of the best safety professionals I've ever worked with. He's 25 years old, and he's light years ahead mm-hmm. as far as maturity and growth. Um, but the things he's taught me about millennials, millennials of how to relate to them and how to manage them. And he is sometimes my checks and balances that he's easy to call me out when I'm steering a little wrong when it comes sure. to the millennial generation. Well, I know our podcast was the brainchild of uh, Joe over here and, uh, he's a millennial, but man, you know, we've hired some excellent, uh, young professionals and, um, the energy, um, the ideas, um, you, know, you just kind of sit back and say, okay, we, we're, we're, we're trying to get there. You got to reel them in a little bit, right? We'll, we'll get there. But I mean, it's, it's refreshing, honestly. And, 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 you know, what I'm seeing, at least on our side, uh, with our team, uh, to see, uh, the excitement and, uh, and, uh, energy that, that they bring, um, and to try and improve our business and our services. So yeah, you're right. You got to rein, rein them in. I mean, if you let them loose, they will, they will literally run with anything and they'll come up with the greatest ideas and they really do. Um, and I think they'll push us and an industry 
to sure. a much better place. Um, they want to do it. They want to. That's the biggest thing. They want to make a change. They want to sure. make a difference in the world, um, and in their careers and in other people's lives. So it's it's great to watch those guys take on projects and they'll run with them for as long as you let them run with them until you shut them down. And nine times out of ten, I try not to shut them down. Just let it go. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Are you uh, are you involved with any? Uh associations or any committees or anything that's uh, out there in the industry working on uh, you know up and coming you know new new methods and safety uh, one of, I was in a, a, a meeting with a group uh, earlier this week and we're, we're talking about um, uh, VR virtual reality safety uh, training and um, are you guys doing anything with any VR or any anything we're not doing anything with VR but I just heard that we got a drone or getting a drone oh, yeah. i ran into someone last night in fact our insurance carriers who i ran into last night that said we're looking at drones again um so we're doing that i hear uh we're not doing anything vr but i will say i did read an article the other day where ComEd, commonwealth edison out of chicago has just built a whole training facility that's just vr, VR. so they're training their linemen on line work vr wow. uh, so it's really neat um i'm involved in score which is southeastern Southeast Contractors Owners Association Roundtable. Okay. Um, it's for Southeast Contractors. Um, there's a big safety committee that's got owners involved. So you got uh, Tico, Tampa Electric Company, um, Dominion, uh, Duke, and some other large owners as well as contractors. And we're getting together and we're trying to figure out a way, A, to make the industry better, but share information contractor to contractor. You know, if they can learn from things that have happened at Bowen or we can learn from things that have happened at tico or duke or whatnot then we want to share that information sure what about any stories uh in the trench stories that you can share that uh maybe maybe one or two that um the the listeners can learn from and take something away yeah yeah i was working at alabama power i think it's southern company now maybe but it was alabama power at the time it's down on the mobile river in mobile alabama and i was working night shift as a safety coordinator and we were behind schedule on a project, and I was a new safety guy. And um, back then, and they probably still do, but they all thought safety guys were cops, right? So I wasn't part of the team. I was just the guy that kept walking around the radio and finding problems. And we got behind schedule and cleaning out a, a brine tank. And uh, we called a crew in overnight. We got in there. We had a vac truck and water hoses, all this equipment. I was like, all right. So shedded all my stuff and throwing some gloves and jumped in and grabbed a shovel and the guy in there's like no trey you don't need to grab the shovel come over here and grab the fire hose i'm like look i don't know how to work that hose i don't know how to work this back truck but what i've been doing my whole life is shoveling stuff with a flathead shovel for my grandfather or my dad or whoever right so let me get in here and shovel some stuff so did that for about four hours with him, got the job done and uh what i learned through that experience is it completely changed their view of me i was no longer the dumb safety kid roaming around trying to cause problems. I was somebody that was willing to help. Um, not saying we all need to jump in and do the work with them or for them, but anytime we can assist and help as a safety professional, we got to be objective, right? Sure. And still be a safety pro, but anytime we can help and assist in the field, especially as a young guy, A, you're going to earn respect from the older guys and gals, and um, you're going to learn the work. Sure, sure. Okay, let's circle all the way back to uh, you've been with Bowen now for uh, – just over, just starting, what, thir your third year? No, I'm uh, wrapping up second year. So. Wrapping up your second year, okay. Yeah. So just wrapping up your second year. 
a company that's been in business for 50 years and you're coming in to change the world, right? Wow. <laughs> All right. How do you, how do you, how do you, uh, integrate, right? You're, you know, plenty of background, great experience. Um, you know, now you're coming in and, and, uh, they're looking for a new director, a new vision maybe with safety. Um, how do you approach that? Any, any challenges you've had with that? Sure. So, um, obviously I'm coming into an organization, um, rightfully so that's going to be full of skeptics, right? I'm the outsider. Some of, most of the people at Bowen have been around 10 plus years, 20 plus years. Um, so I am this new guy. I am not part of the Bowen family yet. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of skepticism. Um, there's a lot of, uh, hesitant buyers, if you will. Um, but what I didn't do is come in and change anything. Um, to this day, I don't really think we've made any drastic changes. First six months, I sat back and learned, uh, learned the organization, learned the people, uh, tried to meet as many superintendents and PMs as I could, trying to figure out what makes them tick. Um, what I learned is they're value buyers. So if you show value, if you show them a value to something, they're going to buy it. Um, so first six to eight months was strictly listening. And then we rolled out the don't be a spectator. And it's funny because everybody looked at the don't be a spectator as this new thing, but it wasn't. It was literally things they already had in place. We just kind of changed the name of it and um, basically held the line on requirements for reporting. Uh, we started off slow. We started off real slow on reporting because there was still the misconception of, hey, if I turn in a near miss, people are going to come down on me. I'll never forget one of our superintendents, Jim Boyd. He, uh, he happened to have turned in a near miss on like a Thursday. And it just so happened me and one of the VPs were already had a trip scheduled there for Monday. He thought for sure we were coming out there about that near miss. We didn't even bring it up. The whole day we're there, he's waiting for somebody to bring up the near miss, right? At the end of the day, he's like, so you guys aren't here for the near miss? We're like, no, not at all. We're not, this is not why we're here. Thank you for reporting it, but no, this is not why we're here. Um, so that was first six or eight months of just listening and uh, getting a feel and a pulse for the organization. And as we rolled out, don't be a spectator and really rolled out the reporting, you'd went over a new superintendent and a new PM each time the near misses reported, right? Everybody wants to report a good catch because something good, right? Near misses are still perceived a little bit as a negative. Um, so every time someone turned one in, instead of anybody asking a ton of questions about it, we'd have all the information we needed. Then we'd give them a hat or a shirt. I'm like, wait, I'm getting a hat or a shirt for a near miss. And eventually that, and the best part was we didn't advertise that. Mm-hmm. We didn't say we were going to give him anything. So we would just get a near miss and we'd go out and give him a shirt or a hat. And all of a sudden through the grapevine, right, people start hearing about it and sure. everybody wants a shirt or a hat and starts picking up and picking up. So the only rewarding we do was for reporting. Um, we never came down on anyone for near misses. We thanked them. We uh, asked questions if we needed to get clarification. Um, and then the whole program with Don't Be a Spectator, the idea behind it was Look, we're all safety guys, right? We've all heard the corniest, cheesiest slogans for safety, right? My favorite one is, um, why do you work safe? And the answer is always to go home. I don't believe that. I don't believe that a project manager or superintendent shows up on Monday morning and is like, I'm here to work safe so I can go home at the end of the day. No, you're not. You're here to make money. You're here to have a happy client. You're here to get repeat work. You're here to beat schedule. You don't intend to get anyone hurt. So I always tell them, I said, what if I told you I have the same exact goal you guys do? I want to help you guys make a ton of money. I want to help you guys beat schedule. I want to help you guys have a repeat client. 
want to help you guys have a successful project. I just want to help you do it without getting anyone hurt. Um, so it took them a while to believe that's what I actually meant. Um, because there are a lot of safety cops out there and there are a lot of safety people that come in and that's not their goal. Their goal is I show up to work, to work safe and go home at the end of the day. And it's just not, it's not reality, right? None of us actually show up in the morning and think that way. Um, so connecting with them that way, um, I didn't really change anything. I gave them some ideas, took some tools they already had and they ran with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they've taken full ownership. I had a presentation with the BM yesterday. And that's what I told them. I mean, those guys have literally owned the entire program and it's their program. I just get to collect the data, represent it, and share it with them and give them tools that they can better manage their projects. But they 100% own it. Sure. What about um, any uh, any pushback, uh, any advice you can offer maybe a young professional relative to, hey, I'm out in the field and uh, I approach an issue and I'm faced with, you know, kind of an aggressive response right out of the gate, you know, any yeah absolutely um listen listen to what their concerns are um they may be hearing something different than you're saying or your message may be bad your approach may be bad so first listen listen to what their pushback is listen to what their um argument or complaint or justification is process it and think about your message right think about did i get a clear message across um and if you didn't bring someone in reach out to your regional guy your boss or someone you trust and respect that'll help you get the message across. Um, we don't want to go out there and beat anyone up. We don't want to start arguments and, and fight. We want to coach and make things better. And it's inevitable. You're going to have, I have one guy that everywhere he goes, there's always a skeptical superintendent because he's 25 years old. Hmm. But as soon as that superintendent goes to another project, they're like, can I have him back? Right. Just because right. he has a way of listening mm-hmm. and understanding their concerns and finding a happy medium to where the, we're keeping people safe, but we're still making money at the end of the day also. Sure. Because that's the ultimate goal. Trust me, we can make the whole project safe, and no one will ever, 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 ever get hurt. We also won't make money doing it, right? <laughs> so you have to find that. You have to find a way to keep everyone safe and still be productive at the same time. One of the things you mentioned earlier, and you've mentioned it a couple times, is recognition. Um, there's you know, a big debate out there in the safety world about recognition, incentives, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And, um, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you implement that at, at Bowen? So I'm a huge fan of rewarding people for reporting. I do not agree with rewarding for safety stats, right? I'm not going to reward for zero injury or zero incident because all that's going to do is drive people to not report and hide. Um, but if getting a near miss card or a good catch card sent to me cost me a $12 hat, I'll give all the $12 hats you want. So I'm a huge fan of incentivizing getting the information. I want all the information I can. Give it to me, give it to me, I'll give you whatever you want. Um, I don't like to incentivize rates. That's why I won't even give our organization a target piece of rate. Because if I give it to them, they'll do what every company does and they'll manage that rate. By telling them to be below 2.0, believe me, we'll be below 2.0. Um, but I don't want that. I want all the information. I want full transparency. Sure. Um, you uh, you mentioned earlier also um, about um, if we run, you know circle back to don't be a spectator um, and uh, the success you've had this year, right? So how do you carry that on? What's what's next for you there? It's a good question. When we finished out the year, 
Um, I walked into a senior cabinet meeting. They're like, well, we had a great year. I'm like, yeah, we had a really good year. And uh, they're like, sure you didn't set the bar too high? I'm like, I didn't do it. You guys did it. And I'm, I don't know. So we, we rolled out the second phase of don't be a spectator, which is relentless execution of the fundamentals. So when we started going through all our investigations of all our PCFs, near misses, um, we trace it all the way back to a failure in fundamentals, whether it's a pencil whip JSA, whether we didn't follow an operations plan, whether we used the wrong tool, um, whether we didn't have a good plan, where the plan changed and we didn't stop, take a stop moment. Um, so we literally went back to the basics. Um, we're doing it not only, in, so we started in safety again, quality jumped on it. Our accounting department has jumped on it. Our IT department has jumped on it. So now the whole organization, which is something that started as safety is now transcending every department in the organization that we're all getting back to the basics and figuring out how to do the basic items first. that will take care of the bigger problems. So that's the plan for 19, and we're hoping by doing that, our PCIF numbers will drop, TRIR will drop again, and keep lowering that severity and keep lowering the injuries. Sure. Okay. Great. Um, okay, so um, you mentioned it a couple times, and, and that's PCIF. Uh, so can we um, talk about that and maybe tell us a little bit about that program and how you, how you manage that? Yeah, so we've gotten away from really focusing on recordables, right? Um, those are things that have already happened. We can't take back. We started looking at PCIFs, which are potential serious injury or fatalities. We started looking at, um, the incidents or events where something happened. We'll use a grinder as an example. Grinder binds or grinder jumps and hits a guy's glove and barely goes to the glove and puts a small laceration that we're like, oh, it's just a first aid and we'd move on. Right. We changed that. We started looking at those as a piece of what if, what if that thing would have gone all the way through the glove and cut his finger off, right? Or what if the guy would have slipped off the ladder? Um, he slipped, but caught himself, right? What if he'd have slipped and fell eight feet? Um, so we started looking at all these what ifs and we started framing our senior cabinet calls. We have a senior cabinet call that's five days after any piece of near miss, serious near miss or recordable. And we started having piece of calls with the senior cabinet on things that actually didn't happen but could have right so senior cabinet can you give me that audience yep senior cabinet is four vps um our ceo and president our cfo uh, myself the project manager of that project the superintendent of that project okay and uh, the site safety pro got it um and it's literally built around if there's an injured employee housing employee um what happened what are we going to do differently? And the most important thing at the end or second most important thing to house the employee is what's the one message this project team, if I'm a superintendent on another project, what's the one message you want that superintendent to get, right? To keep it from happening somewhere else. So it changed our focus. Um, and it took some, took some time because you'd get the guy that would, um, I'll use the grinder, right? Hit the glove and, and small laceration and you'd get arguments all day long about why it's not a piece of well we can what if it to death I'm like yeah so we had to dumb it down and say okay yes we could what if it to death and everything could be a piece of but we if it went past one what if meaning what if the glove wasn't on and what if it, if it takes four what ifs to get there it's not a piece of right but if it only okay. takes one what if to get there it's a piece of so we really really focused on those and those are things that 
even in my past and in Bowen's past and in other organizations past is you wouldn't really focus on, right? The PPE worked or something worked or something helped and, and you dodged a uh, metaphorical bullet and, and we're like, Oh, okay. It's just a small cut or first aid and you document it and you move on. Right. Sure. We put so much focus on those now. Um, so I think that's, that's been a huge change for us and it's been good. It's been, We've seen the we've seen the results in our lower lowering lowering of severity. Um, all of our numbers have transcended that and, and seen that, um, but we haven't focused on those numbers. We really focused on the people. We focused on the things that could have been but weren't, um, versus the things that had already happened. That's great. Yeah, that is definitely a change in uh, culture, change in approach. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. It's getting people to buy in because everybody's like, "Well, doesn't actually happen." <laughs> right. Right. But, but it could have. Yeah. So how do you, um, how, how does safety roll up into Bowen's strategic plan, the direction, the next, you know, the next, you know, I want to grow 200 million more. I want to be a $500 million company. How, how, how does safety fit in with the overall strategic plan at Bowen? So we're part of strategic planning from day one every year. Um, all the department heads get together and they have their own, there's, it's a two-part piece, but um, all the department heads get together and start focusing on one page plans and what the future of the organization is doing, what's the vision of the executive team and the organization and how each department fits into that. And we formulate essentially our own department plans that ultimately support the organization's uh, one page plan for the year. So we're, we're involved from day one and it's a, it's a pretty long process, but it's not, it's not the operations team or the organization coming back to safety or quality and saying, okay, here's our plan and here's what safety is going to do. Um, we're given the lead way and the rope to, to formulate our own plans in line with theirs to, to get us there. Good. I, I was sitting here thinking about um, safety stand downs. Anything, how do you guys approach those? Or do you even, do you do them? I we do them. Yeah. Um, and the way we approach them is spontaneous, to say the least. Um, I am not a fan of, hey, let's schedule a stand down for Monday. We have a mandatory quarterly stand down that follows a superintendent call that I have with the superintendents. But otherwise, it's if we have a trend that we see and we're like, okay, we need to stop, I'll make a phone call at 1030 in the morning or shoot out an email blast at 1030 saying at one o'clock we're having a company-wide stand down. Um, and what I've gotten, it's interesting, the feedback I've gotten from the organization, especially project managers and superintendents, is those are the most effective, mm-hmm. right? Those are the ones they remember. They don't remember the quarterly stand down based on the superintendent call. They remember the, uh-oh, it's 1030 and i got to have a stand down in two and a half hours, right? That's the ones they remember because it interrupts the whole flow and interrupts a day. Um, and it's usually more pressing. So twofold, we have quarterly stand down. Um, and then we have the randoms that we see a trend and we feel like we need to call a stop moment. Yeah. You may have mentioned this uh, earlier. You, you kind of. I think related it back a couple different times maybe, but um, if you could look back, right, um, as we start to wrap up here on your career and uh, look back and say, hey, what would I tell the younger Trey? Oh. <laughs> what would I tell the younger Trey? Um, say yes a lot more. I mean, if you look at my career span and where I've been, I've taken um, – I've taken every job no one wanted, right? The Jersey job with Kiewit, 
Nobody wanted to go to Jersey. I didn't want to go to Jersey. Right? You were there for three years, right? <laughs> Funny story is I still have Jersey license plates on my truck <laughs> years later. Oh, yeah, if you go out to the park lines, there's Jersey plates on there. Oh, uh, yeah, I was there three years. So the younger me, um, I wish that I would have taken on more continuing education. I wish I would have gotten involved in more organizations outside of my Monday through Friday. Um, wish I would have been involved in more committees. Um, that I've been involved with now that I reap huge benefits from. Sure. Um, I think being involved in those early on, which is part of my strategic plan and the department strategic plan, which also fits the Bowen strategic plan, is getting my team involved in these things. I mean, I send multiple people to ASSP every year. Sure. Um, I send people to every conference I want to go to. I mean, I, I got a huge training budget just to get those guys exposure and get them involved and Sure. Um, other industry things that we can learn from. In fact, somebody told me the other day, and I'm, I started thinking about it. It was actually at that OHS leader thing I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. The guy goes, so you send your, your safety guys to conferences, right? I said, yeah. He goes, what conferences? I said, well, you know, I send them to ASSP, and I send them to these different organizations. He goes, oh, so you send them to conferences of things they already know? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, were you on oil and gas? I'm like, no. He's like, why don't you send them to an oil and gas conference? I'm like, well, why would I? I don't know, maybe you'll learn something new that's not being done in your industry. So we started looking at that, too, of, hey, let's get the guys outside of our norm, outside of our comfort zone, um, and get them going to things that maybe they can go to. A, even though I'm not in T&D anymore, I still go to a T&D conference every year. Um, or get them involved in a oil and gas or um, EIC or something like that, something that's outside that maybe they can bring something back that another industry is doing better than we are. Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to let you... Um, advertise a little bit here because uh, I know you have uh, you're looking for you mentioned your staff right so you have an opening in your staff what are you looking for I do so we've had a safety coordinator for a few years and she has uh, found an awesome opportunity in Charleston South Carolina so I can't blame her for wanting to go to Charleston Um, but that has opened up a safety coordinator which is more of an administrator role um, supporting the entire department it's handling all of our drug testing. It's handling administrator for our safety management systems, the two systems that we do have, um, setting up clinics, um, a lot of back of house type administrative stuff. So yeah, that job is posted as of yesterday. It's and based in. It's based, based in here in Indy, yep. out of our corporate office. Um, reports directly to me. It's a. Uh, it's a challenging, fast paced, <laughs> high accuracy role. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's ever changing. Sure. A lot to learn there too, right? I sure. Mean, great opportunity. Absolutely. Great company. Yep. So, well, Hey, I think I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, I appreciate you coming in. We're right up against our time. Um, I can't thank you enough, Trey, for, for, uh, coming in today and, and, uh, and taking time to, to share some of your, uh, your experiences. I appreciate the opportunity to continue to work with Bowen engineering, great company, uh, great people. Uh, now it's time for you to, to title your episode. What, any ideas? Yeah, so I think I'm just going to stick with our slogan of don't be a spectator. Cause I think everything boils back to that. I mean, everything boils back to managing whatever game you're in, whether it's building high-rise buildings to TND to wastewater treatment plants or, plants or power plants. Um, just back to don't be a spectator. Just talk about everything. Yeah. Share, communicate. I know I share stuff. Brad and I you're Brad and I talk sure. all the time. Yeah, that's what he um, We're constantly sharing information, and if we can cross-share company to company to company, I mean, there's no trade secrets here, right? We can learn from it, so 
Yeah, definitely share gracefully, right? And uh, I, I can't, yeah, that, that theme is awesome. I mean, don't be a spectator, and that, that's really cool. So, again, thank you for coming in, and uh, we'll look forward to catching you all again on the Bind to Zero. Thanks.